My name's Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad to uh, see you today. I, I'm excited about getting a chance to share with you. And I want to talk about when you're broke. You know, broke, when you're out of money, you're penniless. I know that feeling. I'm sure many of you have experienced it. Some of you are probably experiencing it right now. Broke is living paycheck to paycheck with no savings. Broke is being in debt. It's buying a brand new $30,000 car because you can afford the payments, but you don't have $1,000 to cover an emergency. Broke is when no thief wants to steal your identity, right? <laughs> Broke is spending more time praying in front of the ATM than at church. You're just praying some money comes out this time. Broke is when you toss and turn at night. You're calculating and recalculating how much you need to get through the week, and how are you going to come up with that money? You're full of regret for how you mismanaged your money, some of the stupid decisions you made, and your jaw kind of clenches, and your mind starts to race, and you're wondering how you can get out of this financial trap. Broke is when someone says, hey, you want to grab a bite to eat? And right away you're filled with anxiety because, you know, you really want to go hang out, but you can't really afford that meal. And let's just be honest. Being broke gives us the blues. But I want to say something loud and clear. How you respond to being broke, how you respond to any situation in life when it hits you, man, that's going to make or break you. That's why I'm excited about this new series, When Life Hits, because when life hits, it's like you come to a crossroads, and you've got to make a decision. Am I going to give up in despair? Am I going to get angry at God? Am I going to turn away from God? Or am I going to turn to God and learn from my experiences and where I'm at? Am I going to turn to God in faith and trust? And so often when life hits is when God really shows up, when you see him really work in your life. Those, are, those can be some of the most life-changing, life-defining moments. Being broke can be an all-consuming worry that robs you of your peace, damages your health and relationships because we know stress kills. But I want to tell you there's hope for you. And Jesus doesn't want you to live like that, and he doesn't want you to live in worry. In fact, he said this, don't, uh, and I hope you'll take your outline out. The, these verses are printed there for you. I hope you'll follow along and take some notes. And if you're not broke today... <laughs> I guarantee you there's some principles here that God wants to use in your life, and he's going to speak to you. So I hope you'll take some good notes as we look at this together. Jesus said, don't worry and ask yourselves, will we have anything to eat? Will we have anything to drink? Will we have any clothes to wear? He said, only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. Your Father in heaven knows that you need all of these. But more than anything else, put God's work first. Now, we often hear that, that translated as, seek first the kingdom of God. And that's what it means. Seek God's work first. Put his work first. And do what he wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. You know, Jesus was speaking to people. Most of the people in his audience, they were just work from day to day. They, didn't, they weren't guaranteed a, a, a big paycheck. They had no guarantees about tomorrow. But Jesus said, don't worry. Jesus knew that worry doesn't fix anything. Worry doesn't change anything. In fact, worry will leave you tired and weary, exhausted, and hopeless. But there's hope for you. I just want to tell you from firsthand experience, I went through a season when I was so broke, and God came into my life. You, you put your faith and trust in God, and you look at his principles, and you get his help, and you start applying some of these things, and God changed my financial situation. Now, I'm not here today to tell you he'll make you rich, but I'm not broke, and God will help you. And if there was hope for, I went through some tough times, there was hope for me, I want to tell you there's hope for you. I know God will work in your life through these things. 
I know he will change your situation. And there is hope for the broke. So I hope you'll, if you're here and you're struggling, man, hang in there. God wants to bless you, but Jesus said you have to put him first and follow and obey the instructions that he gives us in his word. The Bible is so practical. It always breaks my heart when somebody says, what does the Bible have to say about our life today? It was written 2,000 years ago. It's so practical, but it doesn't do you any good if you don't practice it. So the first thing we have to do when we're broke, write this down. We have to take drastic measures. We have to stop the bleeding. You know, when, when you're in, in debt, we say that you're in the red, right? I don't know why we say that, but, but I think that I had this imagery come to mind of bleeding, you know, like you're financially bleeding. And when I was in college, I was a junior, uh, sophomore at William & Mary back in Virginia, back in the uh, 1980s, a long time ago, before some of you were born. And I was in college, I went to see some uh, friends in another dorm. And I was walking up to, into the dorm, into the lobby, and I noticed the big glass window, the big glass door, one of the windows was shattered. And I walked inside the lobby, and there was this poor guy sitting there, man, he was just gushing blood. And there was a little crowd of people standing around him, and they all were just, you know, they were all really worried about him. They were all really concerned, but nobody was doing anything. It's like they were all in shock. I think what happened, this guy was goofing around and ran right through that glass door, and he was bleeding, and everybody was just standing around. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And I went right over to the guy, and I, I raised his arm up, and I put pressure on the, you know, I, I remember the videos from the health class, you know, the ones that make you faint and get dizzy. I put my, I put my hand on the uh, pressure point, and held, I said, somebody get a towel or a shirt, let's, you know, put some pressure on his wound, and does anybody call 911 yet? And so, you know, things started happening. Now, I'm not saying I saved a guy's life, he might have been fine, but it took a while for him to get there, but nobody was doing anything. I'm like, this is not good. Because sometimes we're like that with our, our money. You know, if things are getting worse and worse. And we're like, oh man, this is so bad. I'm so worried. I'm so concerned. But we're not doing anything. And you've got to take drastic measures. In Proverbs, Solomon says, wise people live in wealth and luxury. But stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Okay. How many of you have ever been stupid with your money? I, my hand's up there, okay? I've been stupid. You spend it as fast as you get it, and then you're, you're in trouble, right? But it's hard for us to see this truth. It's kind of offensive to hear those words, but it's hard for us to see this truth because think about the culture we live in. We live in a culture that says spend your money faster than you get it. Get everything on easy credit, borrow, get, and keep extending yourself more and more and more, and we get ourselves into trouble. It's hard for us to see the truth. And we spend money we don't have, and we just keep bleeding. And the wise man, Mark Twain, he says, if you're in a hole, stop digging. You know, at some point, you've got you to gotta turn things around. You have to stop. If you're broke, you have to make some changes. What you're doing is not working. And don't make the hole deeper. Now, as you know, we, we've had some financial challenges at Crossroads. We have had to make some changes. Unfortunately, we can't afford the luxury anymore of having two full-time people lead our kids' ministry. We can't afford the luxury of having a full-time worship leader right now. We've had to make some painful changes, but I want to assure you that we will still have a high-quality, life-changing children's ministry. We're still going to have high-energy worship services to help you worship God. We have a plan. We're making some changes. And I want to tell you that Cassandra has agreed to step up and run both of the children's departments. And yeah, I appreciate her. 
and Dory's going to stay and volunteer and help. But I want to tell you, I believe God's been preparing Cassandra for this for a long time, but we just are at the point we can't afford that. And we believe God's put enough people in this church. You know, you're not in this church by accident. If you're here, God has a purpose for you. It's not just for you to come and get encouraged on the weekend, but God has a purpose for you. He's given you gifts and things he wants to use you to serve. And I'm telling you right now, your church needs you more than ever. You need to use your gifts. Some of you are holding back. And Cassandra needs you to use your gifts. And the worship team is going to need some people to step up. But we have a plan. We're not going to end, quit doing those things. We just have to, we can't spend more than we have. Does that make sense? That's where we're at. It's like this story of this, this little fire department in this small town. They, they, were, they were just struggling financially. They didn't have enough money to maintain all their equipment. And one day, the neighboring town had the biggest fire they'd ever had in, in history. This warehouse went up. It was burning. It was like one of those four-alarm fires where they call in the, the fire departments from all the neighboring towns. And this little broke fire department, you know, they, they were rushing to the scene. They got there, and the fire was so big, all the other departments were just kind of circling the building, kind of keeping it from spreading. But they weren't attacking the fire. They, they were just going to let it burn out, burn everything down. But this little broke fire department, man, they came roaring up in their fire truck. They rolled right through the circle, right up next to the building, screaming and yelling. All those firefighters jumped out, and they just attacked that fire. It inspired all the other firefighters. They got out of the circle. They got in the battle. And you know what? They were able to save over half of the building and, and the merchandise inside that building. And the owner was so grateful. He came up to the captain of that broke fire department, and he gave him a, he said, I'm going to get you a check for $25,000. What's the first thing you're going to do with this money? And the old, the old broke fire captain said, we're going to fix the brakes on that fire engine. <laughs> you know, when you're broke, if you don't fix something, if you don't change something, you're going to wind up crashing and burning sooner or later. And so you've got to make some changes. You've got to take some immediate measures. If you're broke right now, you're going to have to step back and say, what are some things I can cut right away? You're going to have to scale back some stuff. You know, some things that popped in my head were like, what do you spend on your cable and satellite streaming or whatever, all those things. Look at all that. And I wouldn't say completely eliminate it, but maybe you've got to scale it back. Because financial managers say it's, it's better to have a small program you can afford at home than to go to the movie theater and, and fork out a fortune for the movie tickets. And then you go to buy popcorn, and you know, popcorn costs more an ounce at the movie theater than gold does, right? So it says better to stay home, spend, but you got to get it, you know, you don't have to have unlimited data on all your smartphones. You know, you can discipline yourself. You can scale back. I know we live in a culture that says you deserve that. We all should have that. Your kids, classmates in school all have those unlimited plans, but if you can't afford it, hey, my kids are living on one gig a month. It's rough, I know. So... You don't have to have a soda or a drink every time you buy lunch out. In fact, maybe you need to brown bag your lunch four or five days a week. You'll be surprised how much you can save. But we have this entitlement mentality that I should have the best and the latest and the greatest just like everybody else. And if you don't want to live like everybody else, so many people are broke and in debt and stressed, and you're going to have to make some changes. That leads us to the second point. First, got to stop the bleeding. Then you got to determine the root cause. You know, how did, I, how did I wind up like this? Why am I bleeding? Why, why am I in so much trouble? And sometimes it's due to circumstances beyond your control. I mean, for us as a church, we've always lived within our means. We built this building, and man, we got a loss. Some things happened beyond our control. We are able to make the payments. We were able to do all this stuff. We were able to grow and expand. But the truth is, some things happened beyond our control. So now we have to look at what are some things we can change. 
Maybe you go through a nasty divorce or you get cancer, you get some health issues. Maybe somebody does you wrong and you're financially in trouble. But the truth is, I, I went through some stuff. When I went through my stuff and wound up broke, what I realized is, you know what? I hadn't planned. I didn't have an emergency plan. I hadn't been wise. I, hadn't, I wasn't prepared because I was living and spending everything I had. In the Bible, in Haggai, the late in, uh, in, in Jerusalem's history, Israel's history, it says God's people, they were living very selfishly. They were pursuing their own agenda without really giving a thought to God first. And God told him this. He said, the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. Can you underline that phrase, careful thought? He says, you have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And God said, think about your way. Why are you working so hard and you don't have enough? Why? Because you're not thinking about your ways. You're not careful. You're just spending all you have on you. You're not even thinking about God. You're not thinking about me, he said. And you know, sometimes God uses those moments when you wind up, when life hits, God knows one of the biggest ways, best ways to get your attention is to give you some financial problems. And maybe God wants to use this moment in your life right now to get your attention, to get you to pay attention to him. And we, we, like I said, we wind up broke for different reasons, but we got to address what, what can I do? How can I manage my, you know what a lot of people do when they're in trouble, they feel bad, they're kind of depressed, they start spending money so they'll feel better. They start buying stuff and going out to eat and it just digs the hole deeper. And so we have to look at our heart. A lot of times we keep spending things because we're not content, we're not satisfied with where we are and we buy things. It's, it's kind of like an addict getting a fix, but once that fix wears off, you need more and you've got to address this heart issue. Dave Ramsey said, winning at money is 80% behavior and 20% head knowledge. Most of us know what to do, we just don't do it. If I can control the guy in the mirror, I can be skinny and rich. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 not a, it's not a head issue. It's not that we don't know how we should take care of ourselves physically or what we should do with our money. It's a heart issue. It's doing it. It's having that will to do it. And you know... It's not rocket science. It's not hard to understand. But in our culture, I think most people are pretty ignorant because, again, our culture tells us to do things that aren't wise. I think in high school, every senior should have to have a semester of basic money management principles. And then they should have a semester of conflict resolution skills. I mean, wouldn't you be better? Forget the government class. Government hasn't been working for years, right? So let's just get them. I don't know if I can say that. Uh, sorry. Um, but let's, let's prepare our kids to manage their money and manage their relationships. That's what gets us in so much trouble. And, and it's not, it's give us the knowledge and then the motivation. How are we going to help people to do this? Jesus said, you got to guard your heart. He said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Well, we live in a capitalistic, materialistic culture that says life consists of the abundance of your possessions. You got to have more. You got to do more. You got to be more. And greed is basically an insatiable desire for more. It's a lack of contentment. And the truth is, compared to most people in the world, most of us have a lot, but we're not content with what we have. And so we overextend ourselves. You know, people who are content, they may not have the best of everything, but they make the best of everything. 
And as a parent, man, that's something I, I hope my kids would grow up with that value, that they would appreciate what they have instead of what they, worrying about what they don't have. Be so healthy. And so you figure out, what's going on? I got this heart problem. I need to get some help. I need to make some changes. I need to develop a rehab plan. You know, when you get an injury or a wound, a lot of times you have to go to um, therapy and you got to do some things. Maybe you got to put ice on it or heat or whatever. Now, physical therapists, they're, they're, they do a great, they help get us, restore us back to um, as close to full function as possible, right? But I always think of who likes physical therapy? I mean, if you've ever been to le- physical therapy, that's like legal torture. You know, they're, they're like bending you, but you got to go through some pain to get better. You need a rehab plan. The same thing with your finances. No one plans to become broke. No one plans to become broke. It's just, you know, a little, few little careless with your money, not really paying attention, a loan here, a credit card there, a bad investment there, a couple hundred swipes on that credit card, and then you're busted, right? And, and it's easy to get, get wind up broke. It's, it's like um, growing weeds. Nobody tries to grow weeds. I can grow some great weeds. Last night, I, I, they, a couple people said, you know, are you growing weeds? So I'm being real careful. No, I'm growing great weeds. Weeds, all right? I don't have to try. I just, you know, I try to grow stuff and half of it dies, but the weeds I don't want, they come up. Weeds, all right? Weed is not a get out of debt plan, okay? We, weeds. So you get in, you're broke. You don't have to try to get broke. You don't have a plan. It just, that's easy. But to get out of it, you need a plan and it's not going to be easy. Just like getting better physically after an in- injury. And again, Proverbs is so practical and so wise. Solomon tells us the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. He says you got to make some, pl- you got to have plans, and you also got to be diligent. But if you're hasty, you go plowing through life without a plan, you're going to wind up in trouble without a financial plan. So you come up with a plan. People don't like the word budget. It sounds very restrictive. But basically, a a, a budget is a spending plan. Now, people don't like the word save. That's a four-letter word, right? But you're, you're saving for future spending. You're not saying you'll never spend that money. So you're saving. And so you, you begin to come up with a plan. How can you live within your means? How could you increase your income for this season? Maybe take a side job to help you get out of debt. Maybe you have to work a little extra for a while. Maybe you take some overtime. Maybe you ask your boss, what would it take for me to get a promotion? Maybe you have to go back to school. You, do some, you, make, you get a plan. How am I going to get out of this situation I'm in? Proverbs says, do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. So what Solomon is saying is plan and work and then build and buy. You know, get, get a plan. What are you going to do with your life? How are you going to pay for these things? And then start buying your home and providing for those things. Now, I realize, but of all the places I could be sharing this in the United States, this is probably like one of the most expensive places to live, right? But these principles apply here too. If you're spending more than you make, you're going to wind up in trouble. I t- I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. I told you I've been there. and I ha- You totally have my, my sympathy. And if you wind up broke, part of your plan, what are some things out there in the community that you can take advantage of? Don't be so proud that you're, you're too proud to take advantage of some things. Do you know there's some great resources in the community? You can go to Compassion Network, Christian organization that we help sponsor, and you can go down there and they can help connect you with some resources. There's a link on your outline, a place... Um, a lot of churches in the area provide these resources, but it's through the, the city puts this list out. Do you know there's places you could go every day of the week at a church or a feeding center? You can get a hot meal every day. 
Get a hot meal somewhere. Maybe you need to take advantage of that for a while while things are really tight. You can, you can go and get job training and job help. There's places you can get food. Uh, people give you some food. And if, if somebody here is living in their car, I've seen a lot of people living in their car lately. You know, there's a place in Union City where you can go and register and you, they have security at night and three or four times a week you can get a hot shower and wash your clothes. I mean, there's, some, there's resources. That when you hit the bottom, there's some places, but you got to take advantage of it. And then you need to get some good tools. Um, I like Dave Ramsey. I, I recommend the book, Complete Money Makeover. But since you're broke, don't buy the book. Go to the library, okay? Go bar it or check it out. You can find a lot of his principles online for free on, on uh, YouTube or whatever. It's, it, again, it's not that hard to understand it. You, he, what I like about Dave Ramsey is he doesn't just give you the content, but he speaks to the heart. And, and the motivation. And uh, man, one of the best tools he has, I can't, I'm not going to spend time explaining it all because you can go online and listen to it, but it's to take your debts. You know, bankruptcy is not part of God's financial management plan. That's, not, that's only for a really extreme circumstances. The Bible says you should pay your debts. And Dave Ramsey says use the snowball method. And that's when you list all your debt, debt smallest to largest. You pay, off, you pay the minimum on everything, but you pay everything you can extra on the smallest one. Excuse me. And then you keep doing it. After you pay that one off, you roll it up to the next one. You don't look at what the interest rate is. You just pay off the smallest to the largest. And the reason is you need some wins. You need to get some hope. But if that's you, Google that. You can find that online and uh, get a lot more explanation. There's a Dave Ramsey Smart Conference coming up soon uh, in Sacramento where you can get some different tools. And I hope we are able to offer this in our church in the near future where we have uh, some training. Thomas, Thomas Jefferson said, if you want something you've never had, you must be willing to do something you've never done. And so if you're broke, you probably haven't had a budget, or if you had a budget, you probably haven't been able to follow it. So he says, you've got to be willing to do something you've never done. Again, it takes hard work. You've got to stay on top of it. You've got to monitor things. Proverbs says, know the conditions of your flocks. Know the conditions of your bank accounts, your investments, your debts. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. Search the App Store. Go get, a, I think there's some free apps or something that costs just a few bucks. Search the App Store and get an app on your smartphone. And for at least a month, track everything you spend. You know where the big stuff goes, your rent or your mortgage, but track everything. Uh, food, coffee, all that stuff. If you're married, do it together. At the end of the month, you know what? You're going to look at that. You're going to see some areas where you can save some money. When I was in debt, when I was broke, I was surprised how much I was spending eating out a month with my friends. And I said, man, that's a place right away I can cut some, I can cut some expenses. So, you know, at the least if I'm eating out, I don't have to get a Coke or a drink or whatever. I just eat my food, drink some water. It's healthier for you anyway, but you can save some money and you start putting that onto your yeah, that helped me a lot. Also, when you track things, you can, um, it makes little graphs and charts. You can see that you're actually making some pro progress as your debt starts to shrink. So get a plan. Then number four, exercise discipline to get healthy. You know, it took time to wind up being broke, and it's going to take time to turn things around. It's going to take some discipline and hard work and faith and God's help. And it took some time. There's no quick fixes. If anybody promises you a quick fix, you know, they're, don't, don't, don't buy that, all right? Proverbs says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. See, the best plan in the world is worthless 
You could have the best, greatest plan ever. It's worthless if you don't execute it. It doesn't do you a bit of good. You, you could have the best plan. And it's human nature to not want to do the hard work. It's human nature to want things to be fixed now. That's just our human nature. I want that. You want that. When you say, man, I'm going to put off something I want today for something that's more important to me later. You know, that's a sign of maturity. Again, our culture doesn't teach us to live that way. Doesn't teach us to live that way. And so you've got to follow your plan. Keep your eye on the prize. Hebrews is talking about how God disciplines us like a, a, a parent disciplines a child. And God tells us no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. Okay, just a little aside. I, I got a lot of discipline when I was a kid. I was a tough kid to raise. Um, I lived in a generation where you got spankings. Not ch- I wasn't abused. I got spankings, okay? They were good for me. I appreciate them. I, I deserved most of them, probably 90%. There were a few times I took blows for my sisters, but there were a few, you know, I deserve most of them, all right? And God will discipline you for your, your sake. And sometimes when you wind up broke and you have to exercise this discipline to deal with your financial situation, God is working for your good in this situation. He's teaching you to trust him and turn to him and, and be more intentional about how, how you're using the resources that he gives you. And God says, afterwards, after the discipline, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who trained in this way. So instead of laying in bed at night worried and stressed, can you imagine laying in bed at peace? Can you imagine laying in bed thinking, man, I'm so grateful I paid the price to get out of debt, to, to manage my money better. It took some time. It was hard work. And, you know, I'm so grateful for all that I have And instead of worrying about how I'm going to pay my bills, I can be worrying about how could I use what I have, not just to take care of me and my family, but how could I use what I have to bless somebody else? How could I help someone else? How could I help God's work? And so it's so important you go through that discipline. And then part of that discipline is avoiding temptation. You know, in the old days, 10 or 15 years ago, people would go to the mall and walk around and just window shop, right? No plan, and they would buy. Who goes to the mall anymore, right? There are they're closing a lot. Of them. No, people, you don't go window shop a lot. What do you do? It's even easier. You look on your phone or on the internet. And uh, man, even like on Facebook or whatever, little ads will pop up. You ever bought anything you weren't planning to buy? Now, I mean, I've done it, you know. So, so I have a couple things I tell you. I keep my credit card at the other end of the house in my wallet because I don't want to get up and go get it. That'll save you some money right there. See, those were coming to church today. Now, some of you need to, maybe somebody last night said, you know, something to help them is, they, they, put, they only have one credit card for emergencies, and it has a $1,000 limit on it. So they can't get themselves in trouble anymore. I thought, oh, that's pretty smart. I saw one couple, they froze a credit card in a big block of ice. And they kept it in it. So they, if they wanted to buy something, they had to wait for it to thaw out so they could see the number. Now, I was picturing some of you in there with the hair dryer, you know, trying to. But you got to avoid temptation. Evaluate all your purchases that aren't in your budget or your spending plan. You know, ask yourself, can I make do with what I have? Put off buying it for a day or two. Sleep on it. Do I really need this? Do I need it now? Could I save up the money first and buy it so I don't have to pay interest on it? Can I find a used one? You know, I'm on one of those, uh, I don't know, an app or where those community things next door. A lot of times people list free stuff or stuff for sale. You can go on the Crossroads family Facebook page and say, hey, does anybody have whatever, a bed frame or a mattress they're not using? And man, you'll be surprised how often somebody says, oh yeah, I got one in my garage. I'd love to give it to you. 
or, you know, sell it for a few bucks and you save some money, right? So, you know, got to work the plan. And here's one thing that'll help you. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Get an accountability partner or a spouse, someone to help you. If your spouse is good with money or if it's going to cause fights, maybe get a close friend. And make sure your accountability partner is somebody who's better with money than you, okay? (laughs) And someone who's going to ask you the hard questions. And the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so people can improve each other. Man, we can help each other. It's just like when you have an exercise plan, you're a lot more likely to show up and do it if you know somebody else is counting on you to show up. And then number five, this is so important. This goes back to the heart. Demonstrate dependence on your father. Demonstrate dependence on your father. Paul wrote, don't worry about anything. Wow, where do you learn that from? Oh yeah, Jesus said that, sorry. Instead, pray about everything. Can you underline that phrase? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Can you underline that? Thank him. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, so often I'm guilty about not praying about some things that maybe aren't as important as other stuff, but God wants you to pray about everything. And he wants you to pray about your money and your expenses and and you're broke and you need help. And you can pray and ask God to help you. Ask God to, to help you to trust him. Ask God to help you not to worry. Ask God to help you find ways to break through and follow your plan and break through and maybe increase your income or whatever it's going to take and ask God to help you. And then as your money is improving, say, God, where would you like me to invest my, this extra money? Where, I can give more. Where would you like me to invest that? So pray about everything. And then, did I give you that fill-in? Pray about everything? Yeah. Tell God what you need. And then put God first. Put God first in every area of life. Put God first. Not just in your money, and your, but in your time, your talents, your priorities. In Proverbs it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So circle that word honor. If you want God's help and God's blessings, then honor him. I mean, why would he want to help you if you're just, you just want his help so you can do your own thing? You need to honor God with your life. You know, your life is a gift to you from God. And what we offer him is we offer our life and we offer back our, our, our life, our resources, our time, our energy. And God is looking for faithful stewards, faithful managers who will manage his resources wisely, not just to take care of their own needs, not just to take care of their family, but also to help others, to bless others, to bless his work. God's looking for faithful stewards and managers. When, when you're faithfully managing your resources, you're like God, who's, who's got so much that he's able to give and help others. And I just challenge you, does what you give to God, does it honor him? It's not about the dollar amount. It's not about the dollar amount. It's, it's the proportion. We'll talk about that in a minute. But does it honor God? And does what you give to God of your time and your service, does it honor God? Is it something that's honorable? Or are you just giving out of your leftovers? Is it an afterthought? Thinking everything about yourself first. See, Jesus honored a lady who did just that. We don't know her name, but we still talk about her today. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was at the temple. He was watching all the people come in, putting their offering in the offering, offering bin, however they did it, their buckets, whatever. They were putting it in, and he was watching all these people. And then this lady, she came in, this poor old lady. She only had two coins. 
And she came in and she put both her coins in the, in the offering. And this is what Jesus said. Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Man, she was all in. Now God's not asking you to put all your money in the offering. That's not what, that's not what Jesus is trying to tell us. But he's saying so, so often, so many of these wealthy people, they just gave out of their extra. Didn't wasn't really a sacrifice, but God, I'm telling you, for, for most of us, if we tithe, this is going to be a sacrifice. God wants us to show that we trust him, that we give to him. If you can't tithe or you're unwilling to tithe, I, I shouldn't say if you can't, if you're unwilling to try tithing, then set an amount and give it to God first of the first fruits. Don't wait till the end of the month to see if you can afford to give it to him. Give it to him first. Trust him. It, it, you put him first and you're showing that I'm depending on you, God. I'm putting you first in my finances. I trust you. I depend on you. I rely on you. And with your help, I can do this. And it's bigger than just me. It's bigger than my life. We can trust God because he owns everything. And when you're broke, I'd encourage you. When you have nothing, 10% of nothing, zero, right? If you have $100, give $10. Give $5. Give something. Keep putting God first. Show you trust him. Rely on him. You can trust God. When you feel like you're broke and God's forgotten you and is hopeless, I want to remind you to always remember the cross. Whenever you feel, Satan wants you to believe that God doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about your needs. And sometimes God lets us go through that season of struggle and difficulty. But never forget that God cares about you. That Jesus died for you. He paid a huge price for your sins on the cross so that you can have a relationship with him. Would you pray with me just, just for a moment? No moving around. Everybody bow their heads. And I got a really heavy heart for anyone here who's, who's feeling broke and worried and stressed out today because I've been there. And no looking around. But if you're here and you're just broke and stressed financially, would you, would you raise your hand for just a moment? Thank you. You can put those down. Quite a, quite a few. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's here today, but especially for those who struggling financially and they still got themselves up and got to church and they just need some hope God I pray you'd, you'd give them hope God give them a plan help their heart help them to trust you through this this difficult challenging season and God in this in these tough times I pray that you would grow their faith you would teach them that they can rely on you and depend on you no matter what that you'll never forsake us and we may not have everything we want, but God, you'll give us what we need. And I pray that you would bless them, God. I uh, pray that you'd help them to begin to take, take these principles and begin to apply them in their lives. And God, for all of us, for those of us who, who have enough, for those of us who have plenty, I pray you'd work on our hearts, that you help us to be even better managers of the, what you've given us, God. Help us, you know, you, you give us, the Bible says you give us things to enjoy, but also you give us things to invest. And put into others. And God, help us to put you first. Help us to be wise with our money and sharper managers. And God, I pray as we give, you'd free our hearts from that worry. Help us to trust you. And God, I pray that you would use this church and what we have to be a blessing to families and singles and individuals around us in this community. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.